Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucette, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of, and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also, visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucet. As we do every week, a brand new guest telling their story in the world of martial arts. And a very special guest this week. Uh, this is a, kind of a, a family name in the world of martial arts, if you if you follow it closely. Uh, his father actually founded Century Martial Arts Supply over 40 years ago, which is kind of cool. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, he's currently the vice president of Century and the president of Black Belt Magazine, which I'm sure most of my listeners have probably read a uh, a few times. I know I have a few hundred uh, magazines laying around <laughs> in boxes and stuff that I've been collecting <laughs> since uh, probably the uh, mid 80s. So, but I'd like to welcome to the show today a very special guest, Michael Dillard. Thank you, sir, for being on. Thank you so much, Brian. I'm happy to uh, be a part of the show. Cool. So, kind of as we do with with all my guests, I know it's it's a little different with everyone, and I know with you, with your father's background in martial arts, I'm assuming that has something to do with it. But just talk a little bit about your kind of first exposure. Did you did you have a choice to get involved in martial arts? Was it something <laughs> your dad started training you out of the womb, or just kind of talk about your your beginnings in martial arts and kind of how that started? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I absolutely got involved at a very early age. I think I was four whenever I started uh, taking my first taekwondo class. You know, my, my father, even though it's a, it's a very important thing in our family to be a black belt, he was very patient with me. I think uh, every martial artist has their own martial arts journey, if you will. And for me, um, I was involved kind of as a child, like a lot of us are. We're, we're thrown in there. I got uh, I went through I think I made it to my my orange belt before I had my first kind of disruption with uh, another sport whenever I was younger and picked it back up and throughout the years. Um, but we have a running joke here at Century and in my family. Um, I was the longest uh, brown belt because I was. It took me about 17 years to get all the way to to my black belt. So I was <laughs> really made sure that I I did it right. And uh, my father put me through the ringer to make sure that you know I earned the respect that uh, that he had earned to get his black belt. And I went through several different iterations of uh, schools and um, instructors and kind of formats and all kind everything that comes with uh, becoming a black belt these days and the different types of martial arts to finally get mine just uh, and it's only been about five years ago I finally got my a real black belt if you will okay. but I was training every day I just uh, we decided to hold off on the test until it was uh, it was the right time well, you got beat, got me beat I was red belt for about 12 years before I finally got my black belt and not for lack of trying yeah. I actually had tested one time and then took about a 10 year break when we got married and started having kids so <laughs> it's yeah, <laughs> got me got me beat by about five years. So not bad. But, uh, <laughs> so then, at that age, you, you kind of took some breaks and stuff. What made you want to get back into it? I mean, obviously, you you were just around it your whole life. I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. But what, you know, what was about it that you enjoyed that made you want to keep coming back to it? Yeah, for me, um, martial arts is something that that nobody can ever take away from me. You know, it's something that's uh, a skill set that you can practice uh, when you're four years old. Um, although it it's always at different levels and different degrees of, of practice, but you can do it when you're four and you can do it when you're 90. Um, and I think that's what is really special about martial arts. And um, I never really 
stopped training, you know, I would take pauses and go in. But even, you know, when I got my brown belt, it was, this joke began, but it was because I, I specifically didn't, didn't want to test for my black belt until I felt I knew everything up, down, left, right, and had, you know, gone to enough tournaments and uh, gone out and kind of trained with a lot of my peers and things of that nature. Cause I never wanted to, my black belt to, to be a give me. But um, I think that it's important for everybody to have their own kind of journey, if you will, when, mm-hmm. when you do martial arts. And I, uh, I just, it always keeps me coming back because it's an endless trove of, of learning. I mean, if you really do show up with the mentality that you can learn something new every day, then you'll find that you're, you're always picking up little bits and pieces of even techniques and things you've done for years. You always just learn a new, a new way to look at it or maybe a new little piece of it that you didn't know. And I really enjoy that about martial arts. It always keeps me coming back. Nice. Um, and, and I do all different styles too. So I try to pick up different, different things in every area and, I think if you start to learn different styles, you can start incorporating that into to whatever you would call your main your main training. Right. And I definitely want to touch base on the multiple styles, too. But first, now you, you mentioned uh, your first style was Taekwondo. Was that was your father your first instructor or did he was I know some parents that are instructors uh, don't want to train their own kids. And, you know, it's kind of. Yeah, exactly. Topic. that. I, I went to a local school here in Oklahoma okay. City. I mean, it was so long ago. I, uh, I can't even remember who it was who it was with. Um, Quickly, I've been through three or four different schools here in here in our local area, people that we're uh, affiliated with and associated with. And I, I've had the luxury of kind of um, we have a we have a facility or we have a, we actually have a gym inside of a Central Martial Arts factory. Nice. Um, it's kind of a carved out little area. It used to be where we used to shoot uh, DVDs back in, when DVDs were a thing. We did a lot of content and we decided to change it and hold free classes for all of our employees. Oh, wow. And so I've always called that my kind of home gym. But whenever we are have these different opportunities, whether it be the martial arts super show or traveling for to meet with our customers, I try to take those opportunities to, to put myself in their schools and, and learn from them and, and train there as well. So I, I've had multiple instructors. My father is definitely who I would say my uh, immediate, my, you know, my true instructor has always been. Okay. But I've had the, the opportunity to, to train under a lot of different people. So did you have do you consider yourself having a core style? Or is it more just kind of a blend? Uh, taekwondo is definitely my core style. My father is uh, with uh, Chuck Kundo, so Chuck Norris' system. I believe now it's changed to, it's just called the Chuck Norris system. Right. I've learned a lot of theirs. I haven't tested yet in their black belt, in, in their curriculum. It's quite the stringent, uh, <laughs> different set of protocols that you have to do in order to get your black belt in their system. Um, that is something I, I hope to get to. And it's, it's got a lot of um, Tang Sudo kind of mixed in, into some elements of it. Right. And we train that a lot here at Century as well. Uh, my father's black belt in Tang Sudo. And then I've been doing uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for about 10 years now. I'm a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well. Okay. And then when I was in college, I boxed for about five years. Oh, cool. Um, okay. did a couple, I had a couple fights as a boxer. And then um, I've done Hepkido uh, for a little three or four year stint, uh, a school that I was doing Taekwondo at just so happened to teach Hepkido as well. So I picked up that class, um, did it for a while. And then uh, I've also did about three or four years in Judo, although I, I don't like to keep my rank uh, going. It was it was more to fit into my kind of arsenal of, of other martial arts styles I was doing. And then I had my first, uh, my first MMA fight uh, about a year ago, just okay. before the pandemic COVID situation started to play out 
Well, I definitely want to ask about that, but first kind of go back to the boxing. So obviously as a, you know, martial arts, I'm sure you did normal, you know, point tournaments and stuff like that going through the ranks as when you were younger, <laughs> what made you decide to actually want to step into a boxing ring? Um, there was a guy named Pat Burris. He was on the USA judo team. He has a, uh, a very still, he's, he's very prolific in the, the judo community and he trains a lot of Olympians, um, the people that, that kind of go through the junior Olympics and then also, uh, compete to try to be in the Olympics in judo. And he's right here in Oklahoma City and uh, our local college. So OU yeah. um, is where I went to college and his gym is just right around the corner. So out of opportunity, I started training there. They happen to have a boxing program as well. And I just really fell in love with boxing. It was, it was very much outside of anything that I've ever done um, growing up in Taekwondo. And like I said, the point fighting world. Mm-hmm. So I kind of got hook, hooked on that and I grew to really like my coach. And so it's just kind of for me, it was a. I was a creature of habit and kept coming in there and learning more and more. And while well, I was kind of the whole time I was uh, at my university, I really took up the opportunity to, to learn a lot and dive deeper into the, into that different style. Cause it's, it is very different in the way that they approach, um, to, they approach everything. So did you ever do any of like the, the sport karate tournaments, uh, you know, some like the, like the battle of Atlanta diamond nationals, things like that. Was that ever your kind of tournament scene or was it a little more traditional? I never, I never made it to the actual, to those uh so i guess the, the the more official tournaments here in oklahoma we have uh, versions that you know every state has their local type of tournament so yeah. i've definitely competed in my fair share of um of point fighting tournaments i just haven't made it to the, the realm of you know being ranked and in things of that nature it's something i've always wanted to do but, but i think my prime would have been in high school and i'm i'm very grateful my father he he allowed me to to you know try my hand at uh, some more traditional type of sports as well. So I was I was a state championship track runner and a state championship football player in high school, and those kind of took away from probably my prime of being able to compete in some of the, the point fighting world. And I have to say, admittedly, that's one of my biggest regrets. I think as a martial artist, I wish I would have uh, tried my hand while I had the, the time on my hands uh, in high school to to go and to attempt uh, participating in a lot of those. Yeah, I know. I have a, a, a junior in high school right now, my son, who kind of the same thing. He stepped away from martial arts because he got involved in cross country and track and Nordic skiing and everything else. So he's kind of taking a break yep. from martial arts right now. So, yeah, you know, hopefully he'll get back to it you know, when he, a little later in life. Yeah, not. I hopefully he'll miss it's it. It's one of those things. Exactly. So, like you so, look back and you're like, man, I had a lot of time to I could have been competing. I wish I would have been doing that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now you got to come to work every day, and make a living for your family. So. That's right. So let's back up a little bit now and kind of to like your childhood. Now, at what age do you, did you kind of start realizing like kind of how important century was? I'm sure as a kid, you probably spent some time there, you know, when, when your dad was there and stuff, you know, what, what, what are your kind of early memories of century martial arts and kind of what was going on there back in the, you know, the beginning of it? Yeah. Um, so centuries, it's always been, you know, where dad worked <laughs> for a long time. I mean, that's always what I considered it. I have happy memories of here. Um, and I'm, I'm at century right now and, you know, walking around the halls and seeing it grow kind of before my eyes, but I always had a different perspective. Right. So I was always, you know, like I said, it was where dad worked. I didn't understand profoundly how much, how important it was to the, to the martial arts industry and the, the role that we play in, in just making sure, I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes into to getting the products to people and helping support the industry from a, from a business perspective of martial arts school owners and helping them get new students and, and keeping that, alive and it didn't really come to fruition for me until you know some of the, the more prolific martial artists started uh, showing up here a lot more 
guys like, you know, Chuck Norris for me was, he's like uncle Chuck. He was just, <laughs> I didn't, you know, it was really cool when one day Walker, Texas Ranger came out and I was like, Oh, there's uncle Chuck. He's on TV now. That's, that's interesting. He was just hanging out with us uh, a little bit ago, but guys like that were just, they, you know, that was a different world back then in seventies. Martial arts was very new to the United States and it was the hot thing. And we kind of all gravitated towards century and we were able to work together with, with high level martial artists like him and Bill Wallace um, or Perez. I mean, all these guys, they, as they started coming into the ecosphere of, of century, I realized, oh man, this is a, this is a big deal. Um, and as I got older, it really started to, to click and to make sense. And so I'm, I'm very uh, fortunate and I have a lot of respect for, for what uh, my father and, and this company has built in the role that it plays. Nice. Well, you mentioned uh, Bill Wallace. If, if I remember when we're done recording, you have to have me tell you my Bill Wallace story. I think you'll get a kick. Okay. So it's, I it's, do love Bill. He's it, got quite it, the oh, personality. So yes, and you'll you'll love the story. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> so thinking about you mentioned like you know the room you're in is where they recorded like DVDs and stuff back in when DVDs were huge. What what are some of those cool experiences? Were you ever there when they were recording some of those when you were younger? And some of those martial arts you got to actually see you know, creating those videos. That must have been kind of cool. Yeah, uh, for me, it was probably the timing of my life, too. Um, when MMA and when UFC and all these things started coming to fruition and being a bigger part of uh, kind of martial arts, and really when it was like, you know, the UFC one days when it was um, the style versus style type of fights, uh, Frank Shamrock and some guys like that were coming through here, and some people may not even remember uh, who that is, but Hoist Gracie, I mean, all these oh, guys yeah. were here and they were filming i just thought it was i was like i've never seen anything like i mean just like everybody else was but it was happening like in the room next to me I was like, i've never seen anything like this what are these guys doing and it for me that was really cool to see quite literally the evolution of martial arts and um you know it's, mma has its place it's, i don't there's a whole other debate about where that fits in the bigger picture but just seeing the evolution of that stuff happening in the you know right here it's kind of like it's kind of cool to poke your head in there and be like, as a little kid, say, oh my gosh, this, I can't believe that guy's here. I didn't, or even a year later being like, huh, that's who that guy was. He's, he's famous now. That's weird. <laughs> so. That's cool. Yeah, I know for me, it was I, just going to some of the tournaments, I, you know, even when I wasn't competing, just watching friends compete in the early 90s and seeing people like Bill Wallace and, and Benny the Jet just walking around signing autographs. You know, it, yeah. I think the, the big one for me, the first big tournament I went to was the Diamond Nationals in Minnesota in like 1990 or 91. And yeah. at the time, it was right after the Ninja Turtles movie came out, the original one. And the, yeah. and the guys who were actually in the suits doing the fight scenes, like Ho Sung Pak and Ho Young Pak, and those guys were all there. And of course, I was you know at the time like a sixteen or seventeen year old kid, so I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. No, I yeah, I think that's that's really unique about martial arts too, and I I hope it always stays this way. And I try to explain to people, um, especially you know now uh, I think they notice this UFC stars, but it still is you know Bill Wallace is just as important as Bill Wallace has ever been because I mean. Um, I think that even if you ask a, a John Jones or a, you know, a UFC fighter of that caliber, they know who Bill Walsh is <laughs> and they watch some of his films and things like that. But something about the martial arts, they've always, martial artists, have, they're extremely accessible uh, in that they are not, you know, LeBron James or they're not this super superstar athlete that you can't just, they're, they're not almost not human because they're just like, where do you even see them? Do you go there? You know, but you can just go to a gym where these guys train and, they're quite literally there um, and average people walk in and they participate at those gyms all the time. You know, somebody happens to live in Albuquerque, they may train with John Jones every day or see him at the gym every day 
just because they happen to go to to Greg Jackson's gym there. Yep. So it's uh, and in and at tournaments, you'll obviously you know, the guy that wins the tournament, he's just walked around. I mean, he's just like everyone every one of us. It's not this uh, unobtainable one percent make it to the top world. Um, they're they're very accessible, uh, real people that, that quite often are, are very willing to train with you and certainly always happy to have fans. Yeah, I would agree. Well, for, I should, I would agree for the most part. There's one or two, you know, I can probably count on one hand the number I've met that were kind of jerks, but for the most part, yeah, yeah, and, and Co- couple, those, couple, those you guys. know, like UFC guys, you know, that I'm, I'm not, yeah. gonna, Brock Lesnar, I'm not going to mention by name, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that were maybe not the nicest people when I met them, but for the most yeah. part, yeah, for the most part, I've, I've met some amazing people in the martial arts and in all aspects. I actually used to judge MMA too. I judged over a thousand MMA fights in three states and, oh, really? and got to meet, you know, some, some pretty cool guys that way too and it's it, it's it's really cool I, I do enjoy it so it's nice but so yeah curious what what was your first job at century oh man uh cleaning i mean clean the bathrooms 100 oh, you literally <laughs> started from the bottom that's good though oh man i've been through the rigor i'm here but yeah <laughs> and not to not to i'm not I, I try to stay humble in that oh yeah regard but man my dad made me he put me through the through the ringer here i remember I, there's a thing in Oklahoma, there's this place called the tree farm. Everybody used to, in high school, they would be, Oh, I got to drop the tree farm. And it was great. You got to hang out with your friends all day. And I was, well, I'm going to work for, I'm going to work for century. I, I kind of have to, but sure. It'll be a good job. And I got there. And, oh yeah. No, you're going to bathrooms overflow to get, you got to go grab the shop back. And did you get your hepatitis B vaccine? Oh, oh, oh. Okay. You're going to have to get that. Cause wow. put your gloves on. You got to go clean this up. And then I graduated to, I got to do maintenance, which meant, uh, in Oklahoma, 110 degrees up on the roof, fixing the air conditioners all mm-hmm. summer long. Fun. And then spent two years in our warehouse, a uh, year in our manufacturing. So I, I finally, I've, I've done about a year of every one of our departments that kind of make up our organization. But um, it's been an exciting journey. It wouldn't take, I'm, I'm glad that I did all the things I, I did, but I'm certainly glad that some of the things I did, uh, I did at a younger age than now. <laughs> so what has been your favorite position you've held there? It's been the most fun. Um, I was a product manager, which is uh, what we call uh, that position of, of really creating products. And so um, some things that, that I helped create, certainly nothing is ever created on your own. So right. I can't take credit for all of it. But um, there's we have a product line called Sea Gear, which is now used for point fighting. I created that. Uh, and then I also had a hand in bringing some of our jujitsu items up to par with what currently is out there now when back when jiu-jitsu uh, was becoming a bigger deal in the early 2000s those were two things i really like to do but, but being a product manager and actually going out there and seeing what everybody all of us as martial artists are interested in what we're using and then trying to create things to, to help us either instruct better or be better students or have a better experience overall in participating in martial arts that's a really cool job to to be able to to have and it's it's kind of something that's special so i i have a lot of respect for our team that works up there and does that so what type of research is involved in the job and do you just get to essentially travel to schools and talk to as many martial artists as you can to find out what's needed yeah we definitely do a lot of of talking to as many schools as we can um that's a big research part of it we have i think the the coolest part of it is probably we have a lot of samples (laughs) and and it's you know some stuff is by request you know we'll we'll reach out to somebody hey that's really cool can i can you send us one a lot of people send us stuff in hopes of, you know, hey, I have a great idea. Can I send you something? But all that stuff does make its way here. And, and we luckily, we actually have two gyms here in our facility. And everything we get, you know, we never just cast something to the side. We always put something, put everything to the test. 
and we have uh, our entire martial arts um, kind of internal school bang on it and see if it's got a good purpose or if it fits. Or, uh, often we even create our own things and try to break it as much as possible. That's that's a, a really cool, unique thing that probably not a lot of people get to get to see or realize that we do. But it's very important to us that before anything ever hits the market and martial artists are using it, mm-hmm. that at least our internal martial arts school has has done that. And so that's where a lot of the, the research is for us is the hands on actually seeing it, touching it, putting it to use, seeing if there are other ways to come up uh, that you can use things. That's that's probably the, the best research we can we can really do. That would be fun. So, so how did the the relationship with Black Belt? The, when when did uh, Century buy Black Belt Magazine? Um, so it's been about three years, three okay. four years, and uh, is interesting enough. We actually did not, you know, us having a part in Black Belt has kind of always been a dream. Uh, Century was actually uh, really founded, or a lot of the success was uh, thanks to Black Belt. My father used to use every dime he had to try and get an get a advertisement in the kind of the back page listings of Black Belt, and those were the only advertising dollars he ever spent uh, as the company was going. And so I think that that added to the success of the company uh, in the long run. But then um, how it kind of ca- came to be was the company that had previously owned Black Belt Magazine was a a fitness kind of conglomerate of media properties and they, they thought black belt would fit into a lot of their other fitness titles and as we know martial arts is not like other fitness it, it has a lot of different aspects and unique elements to it right and so i think that they didn't necessarily uh understand that whenever it was under their bigger business but um nonetheless it, it wasn't working out for them and they were actually going to shut black belt down and um wow. one of the executives just so happened to be a martial artist and he kind of raised his hand and said you know guys i think uh I think this maybe makes some some people upset in the martial arts world. Maybe we should double think this before this bloods on our hand of of having shut down this long standing uh, magazine. And he said, "I think I know one company that may be interested in it. Let's at least give him a call." So uh, this person they called us and completely out of the blue, and we we're like, "Yes, absolutely. Uh, we, you guys cannot shut that down." <laughs> so we were able to to kind of come to terms to a deal with them and took it under our wings and. It seems like an obvious like oh, Century and Black Belt, but the two very different organizations and what they're trying to achieve. And so that's why I'm the president of Black Belt. But the biggest what that really means is, you know, I had to uh, to help grab that as an organization and help it kind of plug it into all the different uh, elements of our company to make it work. So the distribution and getting content and filming and um, the writers, all that kind of stuff brought into our little ecosphere and uh try to to get it working again and there was definitely you know it wasn't in the best shape whenever we got it but i think it's improved now uh dramatically and we have a good vision for the success of it so it's um it's become a big part of our company so can you share any of the possible plans for the future and some ideas you have for black belt or yeah i can show you some of the i mean just like everybody it's no secret that uh, magazines these days is it's not an industry everyone's uh you know excited to they're not like hey let's go start a magazine company in 2021 <laughs> so However, that being the case, it's been from the minute we got it, we, you know, we told ourselves people know this is a magazine and we're not going to be the ones to, to stop that. Because as you mentioned in the beginning, that there's so many people that collect these issues yep. and they really are kind of like a chronicle of the history of martial arts, especially in America and where it's at. And if you take one cover, that may not be representative of that decade. But if you really look at it as a whole, it's got these snapshots of what's going on in the martial arts world um, back to you know the first ever 
when Bruce Lee actually got introduced and it wasn't even Bruce Lee, it was about Cato and the Green Hornet. And like, that's just the era like within itself. And you look now, it's got this hybrid of all these different martial arts and MMA and that role and, and karate and traditional and karate making the Olympics. So there's a lot of, um, it's just this, it's very important to us that we have a physical magazine always present. However, we are springboarding it and trying to, to make it into a, a platform that people can go to for content that's all things martial arts. Uh, and, now, and a lot of that means video. So we're trying to position it in a way to, to do streaming and, and help shed the light on events and other things like that in our martial arts industry that's, that sometimes doesn't get the, the recognition that it might otherwise deserve uh, from outlets like you know, the ESPNs and the CBSs, the, those of the world make sure that we're still covering all the different types of martial arts that are out there and, and doing so and uh, bringing to light as a platform for people to go to to watch that stuff. I know, I, thinking back to, I was trying to remember the very first issue of Black Belt I bought. It would have been in the mid to late 80s. I don't remember who was on the cover, but the only thing I remember for some reason is the one of the advertisements inside was Chuck Norris selling like these stretch or flex jeans. Oh, yeah, the kicking jeans. <laughs> yeah, the kicking jeans. I still we have that issue to, somewhere. You brought them back to life, so Two years ago, against really? my against my advice, but they actually ended up, you know, they connected with people. I guess. Oh, that's, I did not know that. That's <laughs> funny. Like, yeah, there. But hey, that was through the heydays. I mean, it was like martial arts was so popular that people were building jeans around them. I mean, that was uh, it was something that the the sport and certainly the sport, but the country had just never seen. There was like some mystique to it, uh, especially around Bill Wallace and Chuck Norris. Those were the two uh, the two people featured in most of those ads. So what is the, whether it's either something Century maybe had or just something that was advertised in Black Belt, what's the craziest martial arts product you remember seeing? Hmm. Anything jump to your what a, <laughs> One thing I always thought was a little bit reckless was uh, board holders. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I know that seems really weird, but um, the idea that you're going to get these mechanical arms and mount them to the wall and they're going to hold the board, it just seemed like this walking or this just we're selling this liability of like someone has got to kick this giant piece of metal and break their leg yep. or like a little kid or something. So I, for me, that was always what I was like, why are we selling this? Is the replacement just a person holding it? But <laughs> I understand the need for it. It's just one of those things where I, I see this, you see this elaborate contraption to do such a simple task. Sometimes you're like, this seems over-engineered and very expensive, but you know, well, there's a will, there's a way. And sometimes that stuff works. So. I do remember that one. So I never, never got to use yeah. it. Luckily, and there's been but... tons of iterations of it. I'm sure there still are companies making them. Um, I just, I think we got, got a lot of people that got hurt from them. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So earlier in the conversation, you, you also mentioned you had your, your first MMA fight, which kind of leads to one of the questions I ask all my guests. And I probably already know the answer since you actually fought, but kind of your thoughts on MMA in general and its impact on the martial arts world. Uh, I think I have a unique uh, probably perspective on where, on the impact. I, I think that it's got, it's very polarizing and that it's done. I think it's naive to say that it hasn't done good for our industry, but I also see the, the argument and, and I see how people can, can say that it's done harm because um, it has polarized people to think that martial arts is MMA. And um, we all, I think know is if you, if you are a practitioner of martial arts of any style, you know that that's not the case. But average person that walks off the street and wants to get involved in martial arts is either very turned off when they walk in and they see a traditional martial arts school or, you know, they walk into an MMA gym and they're like, oh, this is, you know, they're immediately turned off by martial arts all overall. And I think um, also people 
very quickly associate this kind of tattoos and beating each other up all the time is what martial arts is all about. And there's probably a, I know that not all MMA gyms are like that. That's definitely not the case at all. But I do know that, you know, sometimes the, the bad apples and in any situation are the ones that stand out the most and that sometimes those are the, those get brought to light in the MMA community. So it's kind of creates the situation where I think the moms and dads of the world are less excited about getting their kids involved in martial arts because that's the, what they think the, the end result will be. And I, that's unfortunately fortunate because that's just not the case at all. Right. Um, so I, but I, as far as MMA, I mean, it is just that it's mixed martial arts. So the other thing is that people don't always take into consideration if you're doing MMA, you don't just go to MMA class or, or you should, I mean, some gyms have that, but right. you really should be doing boxing for stand up. You should be working wrestling or, or judo for your takedowns. And then you should be doing jujitsu uh, on the ground. But um, the evolution of what MMA has become, it still is very, it's got its own place. And I think it forever will. And um, it will kind of be that it will help light the you know fire for the years to come to, to continue martial arts and uh, the evolution of, and, and bring all the other, arts with it hopefully and what led to your decision to step into the cage for that for your first mma fight yeah so i i participated because uh, i wanted to get a fighter on my belt one to kind of go out there and say look i do traditional martial arts and i can beat you guys up just <laughs> you guys think you're all tough just because you do mma like i i do taekwondo watch this i could it's still applicable because i think that a lot of the mma community does sometimes shun the traditional martial arts people mm-hmm. and they're naive to think that, that one that traditional martial arts is not applicable to MMA because I think it very much is. Um, but then also I just wanted to check that off on my list of things that I could say I've done um, as a martial artist. And uh, I don't know if there's something to be said, whenever you you get accomplished that task and that goal, uh, I'd feel pretty good. And I myself also have a, a background in traditional Taekwondo and I kind of just thought of another question that I, I wanted to ask you just when you mentioned it. Now, kind of your thoughts on, you know, with Taekwondo getting into the Olympics and stuff, do you think that hurt traditional Taekwondo schools? It depends. You know, Taekwondo, Olympic Taekwondo is interesting because it's it's gone so down this, this uh, I call it a rabbit hole, but like it's mm-hmm. gone such a niche of just kicks, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't think it does it justice for what Taekwondo is from an art, like as the bigger picture perspective of it. But anything that showcases martial arts, I think in that kind of mainstream opportunity, it, it helps feed the industry and feed people participating, at least hopefully gravitates some interest. I'm sure that there are people that, that look at it and are like, oh, that's not what I thought Taekwondo was. That's kind of that's kind of a turnoff. Yep. But at the same time, I don't know, maybe they hopefully don't they don't make the decision. OK, martial arts isn't for me, but they say, OK, well, maybe Taekwondo isn't something I'm interested in. Maybe I'm interested in this. Uh, I do wish that. I, I like that in you know karate is now uh, I guess it is going to be in the next Olympics and I know that they've been delayed so it's kind of weird but they've taken the stance of of doing kata and doing um, and kumite and and I think that's unique to in at least a great attempt to try and bring in both aspects of of karate so displaying kind of everything that it can be and kind of both sides of that equation um, and I to my knowledge they don't do that with taekwondo is that correct. No, yeah, it's it's just the sparring yeah. for Taekwondo. So yeah, I'm kind of excited to see what, how they do that. I mean, it's it'll be Me interesting because yeah, I'm I'm one of I'm always online defending Taekwondo because I, I I come from a traditional Taekwondo background and other styles too. Yeah. My first style was also Tung Sudo, and I've done Shotokan and and but it's mm-hmm. everyone hears Taekwondo and their first thought is Olympics. Oh, that's not effective on the street. Well, that's Olympic Taekwondo yeah. may not be, but traditional Taekwondo definitely is. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> people it's, just it's one one-sided thinking so. 
yeah, it's taken on this persona as Olympic Taekwondo, and it's like, you know, I'm not sure that was even their intention. But anytime you introduce points into anything, I mean, even I do jujitsu. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go and compete in a tournament, it's just kind of it's not the same. Right. <laughs> in a bit, of, I when I when I train, I recognize that. I was like, am I getting points? This is how I do it. If I get points, right? Okay. Well, I want to learn the technique too, and I don't, you've got to you've got to peel back the layers and at least accept that that's how you're training and that there's time and a place for each of them. But you've got to know that personally. You got to know both. So right. So, what advice would you give someone who approached you? that's thinking of getting involved in martial arts and they just kind of want to know what to look for in a school, what to look for in an instructor. Uh, I think anybody who's just interested in getting involved in martial arts, the very first step you should take is uh, researching all the different styles of martial arts. I think all too often people say, you know, I think I really want to get involved in martial arts. They Google martial arts school and they don't understand that that's the blanket title for all styles and systems. And they find the nearest one next to school. And if it's Taekwondo, they do Taekwondo. If it's Jiu-Jitsu, they're just like, oh, I'm going to pop in. My advice to anybody who's just interested in beginning their journey, they should research and find out the difference between the styles and choose what you know what actually sparks your interest because you're going to have the best uh, experience if you actually go into it with an expectation and, and, and an excitement about getting involved in that certain thing. The next would be when you're looking at your, your instructor, in your school, just make sure it's your sense of community that, because it really, there really is a sense of belonging and community that kind of gets rallied around your experience as you get into the school. And if that doesn't fit your personality, if everybody's it's a little more grungy than you wanted, or if it's a little more uptight than you wanted, then that's not the school for you. There's other schools out there. So there's no reason to, to make yourself fit into to one school just because you think that's the only option. I think there's there should be a school everywhere in your area um, or somebody training and, and instructors to choose from. So you should do your research and your due diligence before you uh, commit to, to sign up for a year at a gym and are unhappy with your experience as a whole. I like that answer. So now this one, you can't say your dad. Is there a, throughout your life, is there a martial artist or two that you have really looked up to and admired? Oh, I, I've i always admired Bill Wallace. That it's the kind of the other cop out, but yep. uh, because he can kick and his, his flexibility is, I've always just been like, man, I just really wish I could do that. But also his record and when his record, his personality, he's not like a showboater. He's a very humble person. I like his outlook on martial arts and how he kind of, how he carries himself as a martial artist. I've always just really, really appreciated that about him. And then the other person who I've definitely looked up to as a mentor, and I like just the, his approach on things is John Hackleman. He's a little bit more untraditional, but uh, John also carries his, himself in a, in a way that's uh, that I think most martial artists should. And he's very accomplished, but doesn't you know bring it to light all the time. And he looks at things and is always you know he's a he's continuously evolving as well. And I really appreciate about him as an instructor and the way he trains his fighters and, and looks at self-defense. Nice. And then is there a martial arts philosophy, you know, maybe one or two different ones that really kind of had, had to have stuck with you throughout your years of martial arts training that you kind of keep coming back to? We always say here in our classes, and, and I think it's, everybody should come in with this mentality, but uh, every day is a beginner's mind. And that idea translating into when you train, just like every day you should be open to learning something new just because you showed up and you, you know, I go to jujitsu one night and I, I've seen this technique 15 times. doesn't mean that uh, when I go with the, you know, the white belt in class, he's not going to not know what he's doing. And I'll be like, oh, actually, that works pretty well. I never thought about doing that. You always have to keep an open mind to the people you're training with and to 
different techniques and how even sometimes across different styles and different systems, how one thing could be applicable to another art. I think all of that stuff is important to take into consideration and to always be thinking an open mind whenever you're training. And then do you have a favorite martial arts book, either one that you come back to and read yourself, you know, more than once or that you continually recommend to other people? I mean, the Tao Jeet Kune Do, I think it's, it's again, that's a default for a lot of people. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, but there's so many just uh, applications of the way that that book is written and the mentality and that is not, you know, I train a little bit of Jeet Kune Do, our president at Century. That's what he specializes in and teaches classes here. And But I wouldn't call myself a, a Jeet Kune Do practitioner mm-hmm. in that book, but I can still take elements of that book and apply it to all different types of my, my training. So people that haven't read that before, or at least look through it and understood why it's so important to other martial artists, that's something that I think you got to make an effort to do. And kind of a last uh, one or two part question, depending how you answer, but if you have a favorite martial arts TV show and or favorite martial arts movie, mm. maybe guilty pleasures or something. Different martial arts. I mean, I always enjoy my Walker, Texas Ranger, I must say. I know that probably doesn't even count. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you watched the new one? I'm curious. The new Walker, Texas Ranger? Oh, yeah. I haven't. No, I've heard that came out. Yeah, it's, no, it's, not. it's not, there's not really any martial arts in it, so don't get your own. <laughs> it, it's, it's a good show, but it's definitely not the original. <laughs> yeah, no. I think, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll also say I have a special a special plate in my heart as many other kids that grew up in the 90s, you know, it's an 80s film, but, but in the 90s, my generation was so impacted by it. But The Karate Kid is just forever, all different aspects of that movie, and you know, it's not it like captured for me what it was like to be in martial arts schools during mm-hmm. that time and that uh that's very nostalgic for me and there's a lot of applications to that i think uh, that movie that of being patient when you're training and kind of these bigger picture uh, things when you look back at it but i love the fact that they brought it back with cobra kai too that was that's very cool for it, it's exciting that it gets my son excited about martial arts so your so. thoughts on, on cobra kai I'm assuming you're, you've watched it. <laughs> yeah, no, they, I think they did a really good job. I mean, they took definitely the idea of bringing in that nostalgic piece of uh, what's very implanted in everyone's mind with the Karate Kid and bringing that to the new generation. I think they've done a very, very good job. And then yeah, one last one, I just thought, because you mentioned you mentioned kids. So how many do you have one kid, two kids, and, and are they involved in martial arts at, at their age right now? I've got a, a three and a half year old. He's okay. uh, not allowed to do martial arts yet. Okay. Yeah, little, <laughs> but only only because, well, yeah, he actually uh, he's but he's very interested in it. And that's why I bring up Cobra Kai that he, he looks at it. and He's like, oh, dad, does I want to do that. <laughs> and that alone gets me excited. But in my family, I definitely was forced into it. He would not be. I want him to be excited and make the choice when he gets involved. And so he'll be living at the gym, but not yet. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Uh, Same with my kids. My kids all started when they were five. They didn't have a choice when they were five, but they got to choose to stick with it. And they, and when they decided to quit going, but you know, all three of my kids got to junior black belt in traditional Taekwondo. And and my daughter now just is coming back after a two year break. And and I'm hoping, hoping she'll be the first of my three kids to actually go for their adult black belt. So fingers crossed. (laughs) In our family, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to work at century if you're not a martial artist. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) You don't get the the easy layup by any means. That's good. Cool. Well, Michael, I just want to thank you for taking the time to to chat with us and talk about your your background and and everything you're involved in. Any last minute stuff you want to mention or parting thoughts or? I really appreciate you, Brian, for for having me be a part of the show. I think uh, for anybody who's listening, hopefully I'm not the most aspirational, but I I do hope that my journey uh, maybe shed some light on the possibilities that you can do. And uh, 
I would certainly suggest anybody out there listening to to keep at it if you're already involved in martial arts. And if you're thinking of getting into it, then by all means, give it a try and, and explore it because it's got a, a lot of things to offer your life, not just in the skills that you get or, or staying in shape, but all the tenets of martial arts that come with that and discipline, respect, responsibility, and courage and, and all that stuff is is very applicable to your everyday life, whether it be your family job or just anything you have to deal with uh, the, the mental aspects are just as important as the physical nice and i will definitely include links to both black belt magazine and century martial arts in the show notes for the show itself but once again thanks for your time i truly appreciate it awesome. thank you so much brian Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.